Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. I got my rag with me here today. I sweated through four shirts yesterday. Can any men in the house say amen to that? You know what that's like? A lot of laundry when August comes around, but I think that that humidity started a little early. Hey, listen, one of my favorite things to do when I was, when I was a young father would be to sit my children in the high chair and to feed them and the faces that they would make. And it was just kind of like an intimate time that you have with your children, right, when you were spoon feeding them. They were just starting to discover different flavors, right? And you, you feed them the mashed up baby food type stuff and their eyes light up, their faces light up when you feed them something like, you know, cherry cobbler flavored. But then you, you give them the broccoli or the peas and just how their face would scowl and it like kind of like just flow down their face. They couldn't even swallow it because it tastes so terrible. And then as a parent, you think to yourself, I wonder why they're making that face. And then you try it and it all makes sense, right? Now, those moments were beautiful when I was a young father. But now as a dad of a 17, 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, if I was still sitting at the table spoon-feeding them that, that food, those meals, there would be something drastically wrong, right? If I went out after lunch today and we went and we got sushi and I have my chopsticks and I'm feeding my 17-year-old son sushi, people are going to think something's really weird or strange with this family. What we're trying to do as pastors, as those who are called to spiritually feed you, is to whet your appetite and to give you a desire to start feeding yourselves. We cannot feed you forever. We can't walk with you 24 hours out of every single day. There comes a point in time where you have to understand as a believer in Christ that what I get here during this hour and a half or this maybe hour and 45 minute service is not enough to sustain me spiritually. That is not enough food. And a part of that, the conviction that we had as leadership is that we needed to spend some time with you, our people, teaching you what it was like to pray. And we thought, what better way to teach our people to pray than to point them to the scriptures and to see the way these saints of old and the way Jesus even himself, the way that people throughout the scriptures, the way they prayed. Because those prayers are recorded for us to glean from, to learn from. And so today, we're going to be looking at Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9. This is a prayer specifically of confession. And the reason why this is so powerful and what I really want you to understand is that Daniel prayed differently than you and I pray for the most part, right? And there's a reason why he was able to pray so powerfully, why God used him in the midst of his ministry there in Babylon in exile, far from his home, far from the land of Israel, far from the place where he looked to to worship and to bring his, his worship and his tithes and his offerings and to serve. He was in exile in a foreign land, and yet he still stayed true to the ways of Yahweh. And it's because his heart was in tune with the Lord. And very specifically, his heart was in tune with the Lord because he was in God's word. Now think about this just for a moment because Daniel is a prophet of the Lord whom we read 
his scriptures, right? We read his letter. We read his writings. That's what the book of Daniel is. Daniel is the author. But what we're going to see this morning is that Daniel, even though he was an author of part of scripture, he was a student of the word first before he was an author. God used him to pen these words, but he was in the scriptures, and that's why his prayer life hits differently than yours. And if your prayer life seems dry, if your prayer life seems dead, if your prayer life seems like there's no vitality, there's, there's really no connection with the Lord, maybe it's because you haven't been in the word. That's what my challenge to you would be today. See, as, as believers, we have this tendency to try to compartmentalize our faith. And we say, well, here, this little portion, this is my worship portion. Like, imagine, if you will, a TV dinner. Picture in your mind a TV dinner. And here, this little box is my worship portion. And this little box is my study in the word portion. And this little portion right here, this little box is my time in prayer. And this little box right here is my time serving. And that's not the way the Lord wants us to practice our faith. He wants us to put all of those things together. When I was young, my grandfather used to go and he used to put a little bit of everything on his plate. He'd come back down, he'd sit down at the table, and then he'd mix everything up on his plate. And I'd ask him, what are you doing that for? How can you do that? Those are supposed to be separated. And he says, well, it's all going to the same place anyway. Everyone ever, anyone ever hear that before? It's all going to the same place anyway. As believers, we need to take those components of our faith and instead of trying to keep them in separate boxes, we need to throw them all on the plate and mix them all up because it's all of it together that matters. See, your prayer life should permeate the rest of your walk with Christ. Your prayer life should be a part of your study. Your prayer life should be a part of your worship. Your prayer life should be a part of your service and your giving. All of it should be mixed in together. Prayer touches all of it. And this is what we're going to see in Daniel. So let's read Daniel, beginning in chapter 9. We're just going to read the first two verses to get us started. Look at this. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now let me remind you what's happening in the life of Daniel. As a young man, probably around the age of 15, the Babylonians came in and they routed the Jewish people. They took all of the brightest, the youngest, the most promising young men, they took with them back to Babylon so that they could indoctrinate them with their way of life. You see, a part of the way the Babylonians tried to impact or tried to assimilate other people groups was to take their youngest and their brightest and their most promising and to take them through a school, a Babylonian school of indoctrination and get them to buy in to the way the Babylonians lived, the way the Babylonians worshipped, the way their lifestyle was. Now, if that doesn't sound like our culture today with our youth today, I don't know what does, right? This is exactly what's happening in our higher education systems, trying to bring in our young people, our youngest, our brightest, our most promising, and indoctrinate them with the ways of the world. Okay, that's neither here nor there. This is what they did. They took Daniel back at the age of 15, and for decade after decade after decade, he watched leader after leader, king after king, come and go in the realm of Babylon, and through it all, he was one of those stalwarts. He was one of those people that could be counted upon. People came to him. The leadership came to him because of his great wisdom, because he was a man of prayer, because he was constantly in the presence of the Lord, and God gave him that wisdom. 
By this time in Daniel chapter 9, years have passed. And many commentators believe by this time, Daniel's well into his 80s. And something happens on the world scene. He's been watching what has been happening from a distance. He's not in the thick of things. He's just like a, by this time, he's almost like a retired counselor. But he's watching what is happening on the world scene. And the mighty Babylon at this point has fallen to the Medes and the Persians. And Xerxes, you guys know Xerxes from history. Xerxes has risen to power in Persia and he's taken over and he's placed his son Darius, or another name for Darius would be Cyrus, over the realm where Daniel lived. And so he sees what's happening on the world scene and it causes him to perk up. It causes him to listen. He says, wait, something is happening here. I recognize this. I remember this from somewhere. Where did I see that this was going to happen? And immediately he remembers what he read in Jeremiah's writings, the prophet Jeremiah. The same book of Jeremiah that you have in your scriptures, Daniel himself had been reading. And he remembered that in Jeremiah chapter 25, that in Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah had written that there would be 70 years that the nation of Israel would be taken into Babylon. Okay, 70 years they would be in exile, separated from their homeland. And so he sees there's a change of power. He realizes that that clock has been rolling, that clock has been ticking. And he says, hey, something is going on here. And what it causes him to do is it causes him to act. It causes him to run into that place of private time with God. If you're taking notes, I want you to take out your notes and I want you to write that down. What is your private time, your private prayer life with God really like? See, Daniel had made it a habit to be in God's word. Daniel had made it a habit to be seeking God through prayer. And when the two of those ignited, when the two of those hit, when his prayer life and what he'd studied in scripture and what is happening even thirdly in the world, when those collided, he knew that God was at work and he began to act even further. He began to press even deeper into the things of the Lord because he wanted to hear and to see what God was doing. So the landscape of what is happening in the world caused him to perk up his ears and he presses in. This is what it says in Amos chapter 3 verse 7. It says, for the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to the servants, the prophets. I, I want you to take note of Daniel's attitude. He believed that God was speaking through the prophet Jeremiah and that God was going to reveal the plan and the purposes for Israel through Jeremiah's writings. Do you have enough faith to view God's word in that way? Because if you really truly believe that God is trying to speak to you about what is even happening in our culture today, it'll cause you to run to the Bible first. Let's be honest. How many of you wake up in the morning and before you run to the Lord to see what's happening in his word, you run and you check the scores on ESPN? You check your social media pages, you check your email, or you check Fox News. Be honest. Be honest. If we really truly believe that God is revealing to us through his word what is happening, do you know where we'll go first? We'll go to the scriptures. And the prophet Amos said, God isn't going to do anything in this world without revealing it to the prophets first that you have in your hands. The end of the story for the creation of this world. God has revealed what will happen to his prophets. And you have the opportunity every day 
every morning to meet with the Lord and to soak that in. When you begin to look at the world through the lens of Scripture, your life will change. This is just an example. Look at this first slide. Have you guys seen what Amazon is doing? Look at this. Have you heard of Amazon Go? Has anyone heard of Amazon Go? I'm not like a super techie person, but Amazon has created stores in major cities throughout the, the United States as a test. And what you do is you walk into the store, you log in that you're in the store, you go and you scan the items yourself. You basically put them in the cart. You don't stop at a cashier on your way out. You scan them into your phone. You leave. When you leave, they know that you've left and they charge you. Okay? Contactless shopping. One step closer to cashless shopping, a cashless society. You understand that the Bible says that that's going to happen, don't you? Take a look at this. Look at this. How about this idea of microchips being a vaccine passport? Have you guys heard of these types of things going on right now, that these are already developed, that these are already being used, that there's a microchip that can be implanted in your hand that has a record of all of your vaccines, and that one day in the very short future that will likely be used as a means for you to be able to go out and to buy and to sell and to shop and to be a part of regular society. So you see what's happening here, don't you? Right? And the reason why I'm bringing this out is because I want you to begin to watch what's happening in your world through the lens of Scripture. What does the Bible say about this? Well, this is what the Bible says. It says this in Revelation chapter 13. It says, it also causes both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name, which is 666. Right? And so all of this, you, you watch what's happening in the world, what's going on in our culture. And what does the Bible say? The Bible has warned us. The, Amos said that nothing will take place in this world without God revealing it to the prophets. Do you believe it enough to seek it out? To really truly bury your nose in the scriptures. How about this? I want you to look at these slides real quick. Have you noticed what's happening on the political realm or on the political forefronts of the world right now? What's happening with Israel and with Russia and with Iran and with Turkey? Take a look at this first slide. Bring that first slide up. EU, okay, the European Union, signs gas deal with Israel, Egypt, in bid to ditch Russia. Now let me explain this to you. Okay, in Ezekiel 38, there's a great war that will take place just prior to the tribulation or leading into the tribulation, okay, well, a great war that will take place, and the scripture says that God is going to put a hook in the mouth of Russia to bring Russia from the north to come and to take the spoils of Israel, where a few years ago, Israel was drilling and found the largest reserve in the world of natural gas. This is a problem for Russia. Why? Because all of Europe has been dependent upon Russian oil for years, and so what what has just happened, just in the last month, Israel has signed a, a deal with Egypt to pipe the gas to Egypt where Egypt will refine that gas and sell it into the European Union so that Europe is no longer dependent upon Russian oil. Okay, This is a huge problem for Russia. So what is Russia doing? Russia, look at this next slide. In response to this, Russia, look at Putin makes rare international trip to Iran amid isolation from the West. Okay, next slide, look at this. That's from the Washington Post. You see that? This is from Al Jazeera. Turkey to host four-way Russia, Ukraine, and UN talks over grain. The four-way meeting with Turkish officials comes as food prices soar around the world due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. 
So let me paint this fully for you. Okay, In Ezekiel 38, the prophet Ezekiel outlines all of the players that will be a part of this war, which we call the War of Gog and Magog. Russia will be in alliance with Turkey, will be in alliance with Iran, will be in alliance with probably like the Sudanese area and some of the some of the stand countries, you know, like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. And this alliance now is really starting to form. Okay? This is a huge threat on the world scene. This is really truly happening today. And when you know your word, when you have read the end of what is going to happen, when you search the scriptures out, when you see these things happening in the world, what does that cause you to do? Just like Daniel's heart, it caused Daniel's heart to press in even deeper to the things of God, saying, God, I recognize this from your word. You're doing something in this world, and I want to know more. And so he presses in in a spirit of prayer, seeking out the heart of God. Does this make sense to you? This is why this is so important that your prayer life permeates all that you're doing. When you're watching the news, this is why the scripture says that we should be praying without ceasing. Always and in all things, our prayer life should be sharpened. Are you praying like that? Again, the hour and a half that you spend with me on a Sunday morning is not enough. You have to have a desire for this when you go home. It has to permeate all of your life. And so there's amazing because Daniel recognizes, okay, Lord, you said we would be in exile for 70 years. I've almost been captive for 70 years. Now there's a change on the world scene that is happening. I understand that your promises and your word must come to pass. Now let me read to you what it says in the book of Jeremiah. Because this is what really he would have read. This is a promise that you and I quote often, but this is really first and foremost a promise to the Jewish people. This is what Daniel would have read. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. So Daniel knows, look, the Babylonians have just been conquered. It's almost been 70 years. Lord, you're just about to take us back to our land. And he gets excited. And do you know what's happening right now? We're looking at things like the mark of the beast coming in in the form of microchip or, or this kind of data that they're beginning to mine. We look at what's happening on the world scene and that Ezekiel 38 war of Gog and Magog and all of the main players coming together. And what that should cause you to do is to become excited just like Daniel and say, Lord, your word is coming to pass. You're going to be taking me back home soon. You see this? It changes the way you live. If you'll start to look at the world this way through this lens of scripture. So this promise, listen, you're going to take us back to our place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of of welfare and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come to me and pray and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all of the nations and from all of the places to which I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from whence I sent you in exile. Daniel read God's word and understood it to be truth and recognized that it was unfolding in the culture. How might our world change if Christians could really truly understand what is happening in the world today because they knew their word? You know why the church is so weak? You know why our culture is Going the way that it's going is because we're weak in the word and we're weak in prayer. 
No one to blame but ourselves. And now this is going to take us into our next point. We're going to look at Daniel's prayer now. The prayer of Daniel. Read it with me. We're going to read just a few verses and take this and really dissect this. Look at verse 3. So because of this, because Daniel recognized all of this was going on in the culture, it says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I turned my face. In the Hebrew, it's to set your eyes upon. It's to concentrate upon. So in this prayer, the first thing I want to identify is that there was an intention in Daniel when he understood what was going on in the world. There was an intention in his prayer. It's like he wanted to get alone with God. It was so important to him that he was going to focus and concentrate on the Lord at the expense of all else. He wasn't going to be distracted by the world. And I wonder what Daniel's upper room might have been like. Here's a man who is a man of prayer. And even in the midst of sure persecution, remember Daniel was thrown into the den of lions? You know why that happened? Because when there was a decree that went out in all of Babylon to stop praying, he went right up to his upper room. He opened his windows wide. He got down on his knees and he prayed. He prayed publicly so that people could see. It didn't matter to him. Why? Because it was more important that he was in God's presence than that he pleased man. But I wonder if that flooring in front of that window if that had been worn out if you could see a wear mark in the wooden floor at that place i wonder if his robe or if his clothing was worn in the knees because he was there three times a day praying three times a day just like he had always done pressing in to the things of the lord and so he concentrated his his attention with intention on what god was doing and it says he sought him the word sought it means to desire or to pursue he went to his quiet place, his private room, to pursue the Lord. Think about that just for a moment. Because you came here this morning and you've been pursuing a lot of things. And those things I'm not saying are bad things or that you should look at those things as, as terrible things. But are you pursuing the Lord first? Or are you pursuing your promotion or your education or your wealth? or that relationship, or are you pursuing the Lord first? Because the Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will fall into place. But you have to pursue the Lord first. He goes to his upper room. He seeks the Lord. He, and, and it says there that he seeks the Lord with sackcloth and ashes and with fasting. What he's communicating to God through that is he's saying, Lord, I'm not going to allow food to distract me. I'm not going to allow my appearance to distract me in this prayer, I want to concentrate my attention and my focus on you. And in our prayer lives and in our fasting sequence, and I don't know if you have made it a, a habit of fasting in your life or not, but a lot of, I believe a lot of Christians utilize the spiritual discipline of fasting as a form of spiritual manipulation. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. When we fast, this is the heart attitude that we have. We go into our place and we fast and we say, Lord, I'm, I'm denying myself of food or I'm de denying myself of entertainment. And because of this, Lord, because I'm denying myself, Lord, you need to answer my prayer. That's manipulation. You understand that, don't you? That's not what fasting should look like. What fasting should look like is getting alone with God, concentrating on God, denying your flesh so that you can hear more clearly from his spirit. Fasting is not about you. Fasting is about the Lord. 
It's not a bartering or bargaining with God in order to convince him to do what you want. It's a time where you come before the Lord and you say, God, I want to hear from you. And I want to do what you want me to do. That's where Daniel goes. That's what his attitude is. And he does it with sackcloth and, and with ashes. The sackcloth was a coarse garment. It wasn't comfortable. He wasn't walking around in silk pajamas. He was afflicting his body, wearing coarse and itching garments. And, and the ashes or dust they would put on their heads, it was a sign of mourning and it was a sign of confession. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.